You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show with the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in and participate, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. Doesn't look as though we have any new callers, so we're going to start off at the top with Mr. Omar. As soon as I turn the volume up, here we go. Ready, rock, and roll. Okay, also, this is another thing I forgot to leave off was he really messed up drafting the center, like... That's I was studying the draft then. Everybody knew Cree Humphreys was the number one center, like, everywhere. Kind of like basically a lot of people saying and Jigwood is like the number one receiver now. And he passed on him. And then Cree Humphreys goes right after us and, and like you said, is an all-pro. Yep. He messed up on that. So, But like I said, I do like that you said earlier no GM hits on all their picks, and all GMs mess up. So, I do... Yeah, and just on the Creed Humphrey thing, I mean, you're right. That was certainly the consensus. Um, but a couple things. Number one, if anybody knew how good that guy was going to be, he would have gone probably in the top ten. So, nobody necessarily knew that. The other thing is the, the whole, like, everybody knew thing. Everybody knows everything until it ends up being wrong, and then we realize we didn't know it, except for the few things that do turn out the way that we thought that they would, and then we just keep that as everybody knew, right? So, like, the, the Packers are notorious for that, too, because they never pick the guy that people think that they should pick. Sometimes it works, and the Packers are right. Sometimes it doesn't, and the Packers are wrong, right? Rashawn Gary was not the right pick. Everybody knew Brian Burns was a better pass rusher, all this, blah, blah, blah. Rashawn turns out to be, I mean, we'll see how the career ends up if he continues with the injuries or whatever. And Brian Burns is a, is a fine pass, a lot of good pass rushers in that class. But the point is, it didn't turn out to be a bad situation. Um, if you look at, uh, who else? Would, oh, well, well, Jair certainly was not the right pick in that situation until it turned out that it was the right pick in that situation. You know, so, so there's always those, I mean, every single one of, especially the first-round picks, Packer fans will say, you idiot, everyone knows XYZ would have been the right pick. And, and most of the time, that's not true. This is one of those times that, yeah, you're right. Everybody's looking at Creed Humphrey as the guy. The Packers came to a different conclusion. In this case, the consensus was correct. And so, yeah, we, we just kind of come back to the fact that these guys got to come up to, with their own conclusions on the best thing to do. And then we'll go back and reevaluate sort of the, the hit rate and things that they get right and things that they get wrong and try to assess whether they're kind of on par with, with expectations of GMs, like realistic expectations, not, oh my goodness, look at these four misses, because who gives a crap? The question is, what is a realistic expectation and are they above that, about on par with that or below that? Right, The look at this miss thing is just as dumb as people saying, look how accurate Justin Fields is because of these two passes. It's useless information. And, and again, I kind of come back to that being similar to the everybody knew the Creed Humphrey thing because not everybody did know. 
Nobody knew Creed would be that good. I mean, everybody knew that there was the potential. And then the Packers' entire staff obviously had different conclusions about Creed Humphrey. They were wrong, but in, in all honesty, everybody know just a lot of draft people like to run their mouth. So again, everybody always knows until they don't know anymore. I know there's an obvious example sitting right there, and I just can't think of it. But you get what I'm saying. And so again, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to criticize them because they're not following what, like, you know, Matt Miller and these draft guys who, you know, all due respect to them are not on the level of GMs and their staffs, what their consensuses are. I don't want a GM that's going to listen to what they say. I do want a GM that's going to be better than them, not worse than them. But the point is, I don't really care what the consensus is. You do what you think is right. And then if what you think is right is not good enough, then we need to find somebody else. But do not listen to the consensus. Go out and just trust your evaluation and everything else. Cool, nice, Brian, uh, uh, Duke, and everything, and I'm happy he's our GM, and I think he's higher than eight. I think they're just waiting on him a little bit. Uh, like you said, you get the quarterback, you get the wide receiver, and then you you made it, you know. But we, we, we a lot of fans should just be happy we got good as a GM. And basically now what we get to see is this. Do we have a good coach or not? Yeah. Because Aaron Rodgers kind of like, was running everything. So now we'll get to see if we have a really good coach. I mean, he I think we do because he made Aaron Rodgers play better, you know, unless that was just him being pissed off about the pick, which I think that's a cop-out as well. Yeah. Kind of like the Devontae Adams cop-out of being close to his family. Um, I think, you know, LaFleur probably been cleaning this up, do this, do this and made them play better. So we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to the season. The draft is next week. I'm like, come on, hurry up with this trade. Um, I definitely want to get at least one pick this 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 uh, draft. Yeah. Additional to try to get some help for love. But I think I'm feeling good about how we're going to probably get a first-round pick. Like, I was going up and down. With it, but now I'm starting to think like, hey, we actually might get a first round pick next year. Um, so we'll we'll see though. But ah, right, yeah, go pack, go. Yeah, I think with the the head coach and probably with Gutekunst and with most players and everything else, we have to kind of come to grips with uh, most of them are not going to end up being like a Devonte Adams, Aaron Rodgers type, and that is to say, under any and all circumstances, they thrive. You know, I've I've talked about how you know you kind of get the good cop, bad cop thing with coaches. And the good cop comes in and it's more fun and relaxed and they they rally around the guy and they love him. He's a player's coach and all that stuff. And then it gets a little bit too lax and then you bring in the the bad cop who gets rid of the ping pong tables and then they, you know, thrive under discipline and all that kind of stuff until they don't. But I think there are going to be situations that are going to be ideal for Matt LaFleur and situations that are not. You know, he's probably a guy that's going to need the right pieces around him. And I don't necessarily think he's the kind of guy that... um, can command trying not to sound well i'm just giving an honest opinion and this is a with the caveat that i don't actually know it's just kind of where i feel like things are i don't think he's the kind of guy that necessarily is going to command respect from the locker room that isn't to say they don't like him or even necessarily don't respect him it's just that things just kind of have to be the right way and there probably does need to be an element of the 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 locker room needs to take the lead in a lot of ways let matt lafleur be the really nice guy that's going to support you and get your back and then goes into the lab and comes up with with the plays and the scheme and, and the plan. But it's up to the players to get the right attitude, the right mentality, the right work ethic, to really be in the book, to really do all those things. It's going to be on them a little bit more than maybe some other coaches that are really driving that ship. And, you know, like, again, I hate to bring up the example, but in Detroit where guys are guys are doing it for coach. But with all that said, I don't really see any reason why it can't be that. You know, I, again, we didn't have any issues with Matt LaFleur in 2020 because everything was gravy, man. Aaron Rodgers was all up in that scheme. He was playing like crazy. Devontae was the man. Aaron Jones was the dude. Defense was looking good. Everything was humming. There was no riffs. There was no nothing. It was all gravy, man. But when things started getting a little shaky, who's there to kind of pull it back together? There was nobody really in the locker room that was doing that. There was nobody in the coaching staff that was doing that. And it just kind of was a bunch of guys in their independent little silos trying to figure out what to do best. And it just, a, a team doesn't necessarily thrive that way. So, you know, and, and again, you, you 
take it or leave it. You can look at that and say, well, that's not good enough. Well, I don't know that there's, it's not to say that there aren't some free coaches that can thrive in any situation. You can get me garbage players, good players, good attitude, bad attitude. I don't care, man. I'll make this thing work. People will come in here. They will respect me. They will play for me. They will do what I say, and they will execute. You know, Bill Belichick or something. Like, it's just, we will make this work. But I, I, I don't want to expect too much, because I think if a lot of fans got their way, everybody get fired, and we'd end up firing above average coaches and then get stuck in the cycle of not even being able to find average coaches and not even giving them an opportunity to become good coaches or GMs or whatever. There's too much of an emphasis on not good enough, fire them, rather than, you know, they are good enough, they're just not perfect, and you kind of got to just take the good with the bad a little bit and realize, again, similar conversation with the drafting of Brian Gutekunst and everything else. No, the team roster is not perfect, but it's good enough, and you got to make do. Well, I demand better. Well, then your team is going to suck forever. Because that ideal GM, that ideal coach, that ideal roster, all that stuff that's built up in your mind, this little utopia that you've built up, doesn't exist. It never will. So knock it off. I'm not talking to you, Omar. I, you get it. I'm just I'm, That's just kind of where I'm at. Like At some point, we've got to accept some level of flaws in everybody. And then the question really is, are the flaws too much to the point where we cannot win with this? If which, in which case, we do have to move on. And that was my question to Matt LaFleur. We can kind of acknowledge what some of the issues are. The question is, is that going to ultimately hold us back? It's kind of like with a lot of these quarterbacks. Like, they're not bad, but, but is it to the point where we physically cannot win with this guy? Because if it is, we're going to have to move on fully acknowledging that we might get worse. But you don't want to just throw him away like a guy like Kirk Cousins or something and being like, well, we could probably do better. Yeah, you, you, there's a, a 5% chance you're going to find a quarterback that's better, and there's a 70% chance you're going to find somebody that's a lot worse. But yeah, do what you got to do, man. Hey, Ryan, Peter Thomas giving you a call here. Hey, man. Uh, hey, wanted to talk about Eric Stokes uh, and his injury. I still don't know what happened. Do you? Uh, maybe you could elaborate if you have any insider information on his injury or the status of Eric Stokes. Thanks. Um, I could probably look it up and get more detail, but but essentially... Dude jacked up his leg real bad. Um, I think there was multiple points where, I mean, it was it was one of the, as I mentioned, it was so gruesome they wouldn't show it on TV. It is weird the level to which nobody's talking about it. Like, I understand, like, we don't want to show it on TV, but you would think immediately after, be like, oh, yeah, this is, these are the, the injuries, this is the what happened, this is the prognosis. It was just like nothing happened, bro. What happened to Stokes? Who's Stokes? I don't know Stokes. We ain't got no Stokes on this team. Who's Stokes? Who are you talking about Stokes for? You mean Razul Douglas? Did you say Razul? I heard you say Razul. Is that what you said to me? Very odd. But yeah, it's like he blew out his knee and his ankle and all. Just his leg got exploded. At the same time, apparently ready to play week one. At the same time, it sounds like he's not going to be playing week one based on who we heard is in the lineup. So uh, honestly, the answer to your question is I don't know. He was injured really bad. We heard the prognosis is really good. But reading between the lines in terms of who is going to be playing week one, it doesn't sound like Stokes is one of them. So I don't know. I really don't. I, 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 it almost, as, you, as, as I talk myself through, it sounds like there's maybe more to the story. But um, I will just leave it at really bad leg injury, but he's doing really well in his recovery and is expected to be back sometime early in the season. And it could be what we were hearing about who's playing where could just be sort of, this is where it is right now, but we have to check and see where it is with Stokes, and we want to give him time to recover because we're pretty jacked at the cornerback position anyways. Like, we're good, we're solid, we'll be okay. But a couple things not super lining up. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Happy 420. Thank you. I'm assuming you don't partake anymore no. if you if you ever did, but sure loving that green and gold. Go, back, go. You're such a dork. Um, never liked it. I'll just I'll just say that. It was not my my partook, but it just sucked in my opinion. I don't know. Um, I was almost kind of envious of people that did like it cuz it's like, "Oh man, it just mellows me out and makes me feel great." And it's like, I use alcohol for that, but whereas you just sit in your room and watch TV and eat Cheetos, I go out and break things, ruin relationships, make a bunch of phone calls that I really shouldn't, steal things, get arrested, pee myself, and then wake up covered in blood. So, I mean, it would be cool if, we could, if I could do that, but it doesn't really do it for me, so...
just like different personality types, man. And then people, a lot of people that do partake, they're not big drinkers. Like a really good friend of mine from Illinois, for whatever reason, like he, he liked to smoke. Like he, it's like he wanted to be the guy that wanted to drink, but he could not hold his liquor to save his life. Didn't really like it. And, um, just liked smoking more. It was just more of his thing. It's just kind of a personality thing, I guess, for certain people. It has something, maybe something to do with the way your brain is wired. I'm not sure. But yeah, it was never really my thing. Hey, Ryan, Steve up in Alaska. Hey. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, just call and say, hey, uh, doing my uh, first run of pulled pork for the season. I saw that. I got uh, at 200 pounds of, of pork shoulder. There was, what? What? Two and a half cases. Good with the pork shoulder that I just got done. I, uh, well, I'm almost done with it. I still got a couple more that I got to break down, then I got to bag it all up. But yeah, getting ready, man. I uh, Yeah, I haven't touched the pork shoulder since last year. I bought my first one. I was at the grocery store. You know, for other things, it's dangerous actually going to it. It's better now. It sounds super lazy, but going on like Walmart.com and just do it because you just find you go search for what you want. Find the lowest price, and you can even they, a lot of times they'll even break it down like price per whatever, so you don't have to do the math to be like, You lying to me, it's not cheaper, it's just a small package. So then you just get the cheapest stuff, you get you know, you walk out of there 100 bucks for a bunch of groceries, like that's crazy, it's usually 300. But I walked in and I see that big sign that says $1.99 a pound for pork shoulder, I'm like, I gotta do it, like all the meat is so cheap. I don't know if it's because it's been winter and like a lot of people haven't been grilling, so. They're just kind of like, hey, everybody, meat, come on, get it. We haven't really been selling as much lately, so everything's cheap. Like, the ribs are on sale. That Oh, man. But I do have a pork shoulder. It's been sitting in my fridge as I try to contemplate what I'm going to do with it. I'm thinking about possibly smoking the whole thing in the Weber. I don't think I've ever done that because it's such a long cook. And so you're going to end up having to do it kind of slow, and you're going to have to add coal to it. And trying to maintain temperature while you're doing that is going to be really difficult, and it's going to be a really long process. But I think it would be fantastic. My pellet cooker is not working anymore. That's a solid way to do pork shoulder, especially because I would do it overnight. I would start it at night, get that thing rip-roaring, go to sleep, wake up, check it, bing, bang, boom, good to go. I've also done uh, sous vide Q, which is actually a fantastic way to do it. You should smoke it first, then sous vide because it, it takes on more smoke. Plus, while it's in the sous vide, I think it's just like really basking in that smoke because it's not. it can't go anywhere, so it really permeates my understanding. I've never done it that way. I should. What I usually do is sous vide it and then take it out and then it's falling apart and I try to transfer it over and smoke it and it's fine, but it's, you know. But yeah, I, th- I think I should try to do a whole cook on a Weber and just see if I can do it. Worst case scenario, I don't know, maybe a little dry? Be all right, man. You get that tray full of juices. That's the thing that I realized this last couple times I was doing it and it's probably not the most traditional way, but dude, just put it in that tray Put in a bunch of juices, mix it up with the juice. It's so good. Barbecue is the thing. Gonna be hanging out all summer, cooking meat and selling meats. But do uh, want to call in? Uh, though I uh, I don't necessarily agree with his point of view. I am personally appreciating hearing somebody come in with a uh, with some dissenting opinion. There you go. Um, I do wish he would uh, have a little bit more meat in what he's saying. And not uh, had to be settled with so much more of the, the fluff on top. But, um, you know, because, I mean, we all, we all got to <clears throat> look at it from our own, our own way. There's, there's times I look at Gutenkunst and I, and I look at what he's doing and, and I don't really fully agree with it. But then again, like we, we've been talking, we're not there. We don't see what he's got going on and, and what the options are and, and what the possibilities for the team to be able to do anything are. So, you know, I, I try to keep my, my opinion to myself a little bit on that because, again, you're not there. Um, but, you know, personally, I think, you know, when you, when you look at what the team is, once once the general manager has put the team together, it's, it's the head coach's responsibility to take it from there. So if we want to look at why we fell short, I, I don't really want to think that it's so much the GM's fault as it's the, the coaches and the players. You know, they're the ones that got to go and perform. You know, you, I, I buy you the the best, most top of the line, you know, speedboat, and you know, you take it out in the water, and you're getting beat by guys in rowboats. Well, that's not my fault. I I got you the best thing I right. could. You just didn't use it right. Um, so I don't really, I don't put too much on him. Like I said, I you know, I think he's done a good job. I don't always agree with every move, but 
you know, that's that's the nature of things. We don't always agree with everything everybody else does. But still, I uh, I appreciate hearing hearing him call in with with his separate opinions. Um, it's always funny listening. You get riled up anyways because <laughs> you get all excited and it makes me chuckle. But uh, yeah, just calling in and say hi. I'm gonna go back. I had to give my thumbs a little bit of a break here. That stuff's hot, it's burning my fingers. But back to Poland Port. Y'all have a good one. And Steve, you were just living the dream up there, man. I'll tell you that. Um, just yeah, just living the dream. Just I'm, what are you doing? I'm just cooking 200 pounds of pulled pork, taking a break from burning my fingers on scolding hot, delicious meat to call and talk about football, and then I'm going to go back and make more meat. Just the absolute dream. Two things. Number one, um, if you want to see me get upset with Gutekunst, check out my thoughts on the draft. <laughs> um, good chance that there's some frustration there. But yeah, I, I think what you, your illustration about the rowboat versus the you know motorboat or whatever the speedboat, the the entire point behind that, whether it's true or not, that is my perspective. Some people don't agree. That's fine, but I think what you need to do is to prove to me that that's what I'm saying is not true, right? Rather than telling me, yeah, but the speedboat still could have been faster. That's just a bad argument. It's not incorrect. You're right. The speedboat could have been faster. But to look at a speedboat losing to a freaking sailboat or a rowboat or whatever, you know, for, for the, the guys in the speedboat to be like, dude, we only got like 400 horses on this thing. Could easily get like 600. Throw another 200 on there, bro. I'm going to punch you in your neck if you tell me that because you lost to a rowboat. What you got to do is demonstrate that that isn't the situation. It isn't a rowboat versus a speedboat and demonstrate, for example, that the roster that we have is not actually that good. That would be the right way to go about it. And then we can discuss that. But, you know, constantly talking about, yeah, but the boat could be faster, the boat could be faster, the boat could be faster. Like, dude, I know. I get it. I don't care. <laughs> don't care. What's going on, Mr. Omar Flyfighter? How y'all doing? Uh, got two things to chat with you. One is a question: is what uh, free agent wide receiver would you like oh the Packers to sign? Okay. One would be like, I guess, a big name, and the other one would be like maybe not a big name, but somebody uh, that you believe could be productive. Um, I have this name that. Has a terrible injury history now, but we almost got him, which is Will Fuller. Yep. He keeps getting injured. It's like, I want to try to find a reason to bring him to the team, but he keeps getting injured, like, I think the past three years. So I'm like, but we should be able to get him cheap. Um, so I feel like, hey, maybe they could call him. You know, he, he do got speed. Just hoping he get like six games in, and then whoever we draft, you know, the rookie have like six games get used to the NFL, all that, and then take over for him when he gets hurt. You know, just a cheap one-year deal. He, You know, he might take it, he might not, but nobody's calling him. So I felt like we should, we could probably be able to get him and not break the bank, you know. But he can also, if he actually doesn't get hurt, be real good. It's not like he sucks. You know, he just don't have the best ability is availability, as they say. But I think if he's available, you know, and he's willing to come, I definitely think we should give him a shot. I probably like him. I don't know if I like him better than Jarvis Landry. I think I because Jarvis Landry has an injury history now too, past two years. So it's just he just got one year less than what Fuller has. But um, I don't know. It's I, I do. You know, you kind of sold me a little bit on Jarvis Landry with his little speech. But I just don't feel like he he. I mean, he'll have that breakaway ability. No matter how productive he can get, I mean, he might be okay. You know, just put a slide to get you a first down, I guess. But I feel like uh, Fuller could do both if he can play. So uh, that's my first thing. My second thing is I don't know if I'm helping. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've – Will Fuller's one of those things where I was in the first time. And then, you know, as time has gone on, he gets a little bit older. He gets a little bit slower. He gets another injury. It, it kind of becomes like, all right, you know, enough is enough, sort of, you know. But at this point, I mean, it looks like the last time he played was 2021. 
and he had a broken thumb. So, I mean, it's it's getting pretty bad for Fuller as far as either he's just all the way out or teams are just all the way out on him. So, I can't, I mean, I'm looking on, I'm, I'm trying to pull up like free agent lists, you know, who's remaining and he's not even on there. I'm like, what the heck? So I check it out. It says, yeah, he's a free agent. I'm looking all over. Nobody even has him listed as a free agent. Everybody either forgot about him or they're just like, he's, he's done. He was put on IR October 6th, 2021. It's the last time he did anything. Last time we heard about the guy. So I, I think I tend to like guys that have showed at some point they had some talent. And um, I think they maybe still have something left, preferably younger guys. So, you know, I look at, for example, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably wrong about most of Sammy Watkins, for example, is, is one of those guys that I bet on and was wrong about. Not that I thought he'd be a great star, but I'm looking at it, I'm saying, look, he showed that he can at least play to some degree. That's fine. He can come here and do that. And then he came here and he didn't do that. But some examples would be Jarvis Landry. 30 years old is not young, but it's not like can't play anymore old. He's been a good football player and a good leader for a long time. Now, keep in mind, I'm not saying like we need to go get these guys. I'm just saying there's a difference between me going, eh, that's not a great signing. And like, I think there's a chance there's something here. You take the veteran aspect and all that leadership stuff and and the fact that he's played at a high level in the past, that would be appealing to me. Um, Kenny Galladay, I think, is an option. I don't know what happened. He was dominant in Detroit, like dominant, dominant. Then he went to New York and he was terrible, like terrible, terrible. So I would need to know why, but he's 29 years old. He's played at a high level before. Um, I don't know. I don't really see anybody else, you know, like T.Y. Hilton's here, but he's 33. I think it's kind of just done for him. There's not a ton else, you know, I mean, Julio, that experiment has kind of come and gone. Obviously, Randall had already been here. I think the Nikhil Harry thing, I mean, you know, you look at a guy like that, first round pick, 25 years old, but he's been nothing since he's come into the league. The Patriots couldn't get rid of him fast enough. He was with the Bears for a year, couldn't even win over that group, and now is hitting the streets again. Even the Bears don't want him, imagine that. Um, the other guy I kind of banged the drum for a couple times has been Brashad Perriman, but, you know, that you know he was dominant in uh, Tampa. He ended up going elsewhere. And I think it's just been kind of down, 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 down. So I will not be super mad, but kind of uh, accept that it's probably not a thing anymore. That was sort of a one-time, one-situation thing. So I'm not over the moon about any of them, especially considering what they're probably going to cost. But those are kind of my thoughts. Nobody else on this list is even slightly, inter- you know, Randall, Julio, Byron Pringle, Nikhil Harry, Sammy Watkins, Andre Roberts... Rashard Higgins, Jake Kumaro, Demarcus Robinson, Marcus Johnson, Quintez Cephas, Cody Hollister, Miles Boykin, J.J. Koski, Rodney Adams, Thomas Hennigan, Willie Johnson, Christian Wilkerson, Antoine Wesley, T.Y. Hilton, Penny Hart, Michael Bandy, and Ola B.C. Johnson. That's the list as it stands. Enough time, so I'm going to fall right back just to All make right. sure I got enough time. All right, let's do the next one. All right, so my other question was, or I guess a comment was, I know somebody was complaining, I don't know if it was cheese balling or just, it kind of reminded me of somebody, somebody, something that somebody said on a, online, on social media about how the Packers don't spend money and everything like that. And it was, I, I was trying to realize to tell them that, hey, we are a giraffe and develop, you know, franchise because we don't get free agents like that. A lot of people don't want to come up and play in Wisconsin, you know, whether because it's too cold or whether they think it's just mean people there. Whatever the case may be, it's it's not like it's the highlight of, you know, the United States. You know, we got you got the field and, and, and you know, a little small town. It's, it's just unique and I like it, you know, when, every time I've been up there, but it's not like for everybody. So they were talking about, oh, like, we can get all the free agents we want. And I'm like, basically, we, you know, almost all the free agents other than Reggie White that we got other than, um, like, uh, well, I'm starting slow first. We got Reggie White, the first year free agent. We spent the most money, got him. And I like the little story they had about when he called, said he was God. <laughs> Make sure. Called, uh, that was funny. Um, but anyway, 
the everybody else started naming people, and I'm like, dude, like, like they said, like Woodson. I'm like, we got Woodson because no team wanted Woodson. He he was a he was considered like a team cancer, and we took a chance on him, and you know it worked out, like because he didn't even want to play like for Green Bay himself, but you know so it ended up working out. But everybody that we got that was sweet, like was a Darius. He was like, you know. We paid him, and we got a good deal, you know, but nobody thought he would turn into what he turned into, you know. And Parker Smith, I kind of think he's just been the average borderline, but him being the second guy was good, you know. But I said we always hit on people that nobody want, you know. So just like, the you know, two years ago, we got a linebacker and got a cornerback, you know. They ain't nobody really want practice squad players and linebacker nobody wanted, and they turned into all pros and, and, and great players for us. And they didn't, they didn't kind of realize that. So you got to realize that we have to hold on to a lot of our draft capital because, you know, if you draft somebody, they ain't going to be like, oh, I don't want to play for your organization. Yeah, you draft them. You know, they're going to be there at least for four years, three, four years. So we have to remember that, we have to hold on to our draft picks unless it's just like one player that's going to sign like a massive deal and take us over the edge. But as you said earlier, nobody was really available. Um, well, I'll just let you continue on here. Yeah, I got cut off, uh, but uh, my bad talking too much. Um, but uh, it was just, just saying basically that, you know, they are – cheap a lot of times but it's because they have to and um you know because you got to save that money plus you know for the past 30 years we've been paying our quarterback buku money so it's like you're not cheap it'd be different if we was cheap on that and and we might have to pay love a whole bunch of money if daniel jones getting paid all that damn much money <laughs> kind of like what if jordan love has better numbers than him if i was his agent i'd be like hey we got you know, Jones got this, and, you know, I guess it all depends if he takes us to the playoffs or not. But anyway, it's, you know, we got to spend money on the right people in the right, you know, circumstance. And you can't just give away, like, oh, just a third-round pick. Uh, you know, second-round pick. Like, we almost gave a second-round pick for Claypool. That would have been bad. We almost gave a second-round pick for uh, Will Fuller. Um, I think we wanted to give a third. I think they wanted a second, and they kind of changed their mind. But it's this, it's, you know, I think of a lot of times that we almost did it, and uh, you, you say, thank God we didn't. So, um, anyway, just just wanted to have people know that, like, you know, I understand if you love the Green Bay town, is your favorite town in the whole world, and you think everybody would just love it, but not everybody does. You know, like I said, I loved it. It was good. You know, but a lot of people like L.A. and Miami, and, you know, it's it's just the way it is. So you have to learn to accept that and say, okay, well, we can we have to draft more people than, you know, and save up money for big assignments, basically. So because at the end of the day, we can sign anybody we want. We just won't have to overpay him. So I know what he was talking about. Why didn't we get OBJ? If we offer $6 million and the Rams offer $6 million, we're offering the same, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to play LA. It's LA life. Even if we offer 6.1 or 6.2, he might just say, I'll take that. I'll I'll take less than that just to go be in LA. So we might have to pay seven. So it's kind of like we're going to have to overpay. And, you know, you don't want to overpay for a player. That's like one of the worst things. It's, it's, it's like that's probably is the worst thing is overpaying for a bad player or overpaying for a player, period. And the second one would be like, you know, drafting a bad player high. So, and I think Goode does a good job of that. So if, uh, people looking for positive things, you know, he does a pretty good job of that. And even if you want to say like Savage wasn't Savage, Savage was a good player. Um, you know, well, he was all right the first two years. He fell out the plastic, but he, he seemed like he was, you know, he had a lot of potential and could almost work out with that. Still going. Goodness gracious, man, these three minutes are going by fast. I only feel like I'm talking about. But anyway, basically, Goot has been getting more. His, he's been missing for the most part. And, again, uh, a, a miss in the third round is not as, you know, is, is 
not of a bigger deal if he hit in, in the first round. So it's kind of like, you know, he he does more positive than negative with his free agency and drafting. So he might not be the best GM in the world, but he's dang sure not the worst. So just just look at it that way. Anyway, I'm done for today. Go back, go. For reference, he calls back in a half hour. But let's let's address kind of all this. So, um, as far as I mean, I think that that tends to get either over or underplayed. Um, obviously, everybody has preferences, and um, you know, again, you can't argue with OBJ saying what he said. However. I don't necessarily see it as OBJ doesn't want to be in Green Bay. I saw it more as OBJ has been wanting to be in LA since forever. Like that's been the spot. Same with Devontae, right? It's not like just get me out of here. I'll go anywhere. Just please not Green Bay. It was, I specifically really want to be in Vegas. So he would have turned down LA, Miami, New York, all of that. Um, also, I think very few people are actually in that position. Or, or even if they're in that position, as far as like I'm set financially, there's still other motivating factors aside from like I want to be on the beach. I always say that's what I would do. Like I just send me to Florida, you know, Miami or or Tampa, not Jacksonville so much, but maybe, um, like that. That's that's what I would want to do. But at the same time, you got your entire life to live wherever you want, and um, at this point in time, it's about setting yourself up career-wise. The other issue is, well, uh, two things. Number one, you're right, not everybody's cup of tea is Green Bay. Not everybody's cup of tea is New York City either. And beyond that, even if you are a city person, most of these cities freaking suck, right? Like, I don't want to be in Green Bay. It's too small. I want to go to a city. Oh, you want to go to Detroit? I don't think so, right? You want to, I mean, you want to go to Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indy, Minneapolis? Pittsburgh, D.C., yikes, freaking yikes. And even throughout, like, there's different kinds of, like, I want stuff to do. Well, what do you want to do? You might want to be in a place like Denver, or you might hate a place like Denver. You might want to be where it's warm, or, you you, you know, maybe kind of like an in-between, like, Kansas City, Missouri, or maybe you'd freaking hate Missouri. Like, I don't want to be in Missouri. That's stupid. So everybody has preferences, but I also think most people put the preferences like that on the back burner, and people just take what makes the most sense, which is usually money. So there are probably going to be some people where all things being perfectly even, they're going to choose not to be in Green Bay. But I think for the most part, there's a price where you can get a guy, and I think if the Packers offer it, they'll get him. That's what I think. Again, some people probably won't, but some people would probably rather not be in a place like New York. You know, I mean, honestly, because it's not just it's not just the money in terms of like how much you're getting. If I was in New York, first of all, I would lose a lot more money in taxes. So my money goes out the window. So I'm making less, even if I get offered more. Although I'm in this scenario, I'm getting offered less, and I'm making less than that because of the taxes. On top of that, the cost of living is going to be through the roof. The food is going to cost more. The rent is going to cost more. If I buy a house, it's going to be a billion dollars. Granted, that's an asset, but you know. In Green Bay, I probably just drive my car. In New York, I don't think so. I'm probably going to take an Uber or get a, lot, get a ride from wherever it is I live outside of the city. I mean, these are extra expenses to where it's like, I could tolerate it under these circumstances, but the circumstances mean I make no money. If I want to be in New York, I'm going to play for 10 years and then I can move to New York. But everybody has their own thing. But I just, I don't want to play it up as nobody wants to be in Green Bay. Everybody wants to be anywhere else. What, like Buffalo? Buffalo is basically Green Bay. Minneapolis is like, hey, if you love Green Bay weather, but wish there was more crime, come to Minneapolis. Not enough feces and heroin needles on the street come over to san francisco so i guess the point is yes everybody's gonna have preferences occasionally those preferences will factor in but we also don't know what those preferences are hey what's going on my firefighter i'm gonna be a quick call because i'm about to pull up to the movies all right but uh why is it that rogers why won't he just help the trade go through like the Jets give us their first round for 2024 well, we can't, he ain't going to be there. Yeah. So I think like, he should be like, just go ahead and do it. We keep our picks this year, and we'll give a first and second next year. And he should be like, just do that, and I'll make it worth your while. Because he's going to be retired. It don't even matter about that one. Anyway, I'm out. So. Yeah, who knows what's going on with that. It, 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 I think Aaron Rodgers is of the opinion that he really shouldn't have to be involved, you know? Like, I'm sure there are things he could do to kind of get involved and be like, look, what could I do? 
is there something that I can move around or is there anything I can do? It's, it's more of a hands-off, like, I'm not talking to you, just get this freaking done. And actually, I don't really even care because I'm not showing up until whatever. So just, I'll just plan on being there at that time, and I'm assuming it's going to get done. But also, he's not going to go to the Jets and say, hey, I'm not coming next year. I, I guess maybe he could. Do you officially want to bottom out the uh, the value for the Packers? Just be like, I'm officially retiring after this. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think he's probably just going to keep his mouth shut and just let the thing happen. Anyways, we haven't done it yet, so we might as well take a break. So why don't we go ahead and do that? We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey. 1265 fan. Hey. Hey, by the way, I'm home from my trip. Hope it Thanks, good. everybody, for calling in with all your offers. That's pretty cool. Um, that was nice. Just some notes. We had a really crappy time, and I won't say what's sick because there might be people from there, oh, and boy. I don't want to offend, but saw a couple dogs in the median right on the freeway. What? And tried to rescue them, and they wouldn't get close to us, and called the police, and they called Animal Rescue, and yeah, there's no leash laws there, and they get calls about these dogs all the time, and they just do it all the time, and you know, they're probably smart enough to get through traffic, and they don't want to put their officer's life at risk chasing dogs around a median. Yeah. But Did you go to Brazil? <laughs> I thought... I didn't think you were gone that long. We'll put all the people driving around these dogs at risk when they're running into traffic, right? Yeah. So, anyhow, I had an idea. You were okay. talking about doing the whole YouTube trail around different YouTubers or people on their podcast yep. to call in. And what about, just like your call-in show... If people took videos of themselves doing things, saying who they were, and sent them in. Huh? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I thought it was a good thought. Okay, bye-bye. I think it'd be cool. Um, it would be very cool if we had like everybody from their different regions kind of showing, especially for the call-in show, because we've kind of become accustomed like to who all the people are, and you get curious. You know, I want to know about the park down south and then alaska's whole setup and all the different things um it would be a very cool video to be able to put together i don't know where i would i guess it'd be like a facebook and, and twitter thing probably youtube is would be weird about it like what is this stupid garbage i just want like really good content here like sorry this is kind of like for a private community well then don't put it here idiot like, i'm sorry i apologize i'm stupid and i'm an idiot but that would be kind of cool just like a, a quick video Clip it up, be like, hey, man, this is so-and-so from such-and-such. -such. Could do, like, an MTV Cribs of uh, Packernet After Dark. Could be your favorite spots, like, hey, check out the barbecue we got here. Check out my man cave. I don't know, whatever. Just whatever. I think it'd be kind of cool. If you want to do it, do it. I'll post it up somewhere. I'll put it to you this way. I think it's a great idea, 1265 fan. I'm not going to put in the effort to coordinate this, but if somebody would like to, they can, and I would encourage it. Hey, Ryan, it's uh, Ryan Santos, man. Put up. One of the original 
Hackernet fans. What's going on? Uh, or I should say listeners fans. Anyhow, hey, crazy. So I work in Chicago, this really big nonprofit, right? And we had an event tonight. And there's a lot of Bears players there, you know, uh, past and present. Um, uh, Matt Forte was there. Um, and Darnell Moody was there. Nice. Um, and particularly, and uh, Sam Acho was there. Um, but anyways, I bring this up because, you know, we talk about players all the time, um, you know, their play on the field, you know, if they're injury prone. Um, and, you know, we bash them sometimes, you know. You know, like if they're, you know, disappointed in our fantasy leagues, even though I don't play fantasy anymore. But, you know, players on your team, you know, never available or just like, you know, you believe they're not putting forth the effort or just whatever the case may be. And actually listening to their testimonies, their speeches tonight, uh, where they come from, what they've been through, what they still go through, um, it was just very, very, you know, sobering and humbling. Um, Darnell Moody particularly, you know, talked about his, how he broke his injury in November and, just how it's been rough, you know, and how he's been, you know, immersed in, 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 in prayer and family and just trying to, the path to get right. And it's just, I don't know, man. It, uh, it kind of made me feel bad, you know. I talk a lot of trash about Bears. I talk a lot of trash about players in general. If I'm not happy with what I'm seeing on the field or if they can't get on the field. And I guess I just call it to say that, uh, you know, that sometimes we need to just give these people some grace, man. They work really, really hard, and they're human just like us. They go through a lot of crap. And some days you just don't feel like going to work, or some days you just don't have it in you, or sometimes you're just going through something and, you know, um, just a series of unfortunate, event, unfortunate events. Uh, but, yeah, just call to say that, man. Uh, very interesting. Um, but go Packers. Bears still suck. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one of the things I like about Part of what we're doing going through all these prospects is going through Dane Brugler's guide because he delves into their family stuff. And I don't know how many people are actually interested in that, but some of them got some really cool stories, um, things that they've been through that are kind of shocking sometimes and, and tough upbringings or great upbringings or interesting upbringings or whatever the case may be and uh, things from early age and middle age and everything in between. Um, but, yeah, there, there, there always is a human element and some people really do cross that line some people probably think i cross the line i don't know in my mind i always have everything i say is is essentially in good fun right i like my 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 favorite punching bag is justin fields right it's just it's a fun thing to do because i'm a packer fan and that's the quarterback of the bears and his failure means failure of the chicago bears i don't have a single um actual bone in my body that wishes any harm on him Right. If if I wasn't a Packer fan, I would hope for him to get. In fact, I'll tell you this: if he leaves the Bears, I hope he goes on to be one of the best quarterbacks in football. Hopefully, in the AFC. I couldn't care less about you know him as a player and and wanting him to fail or get hurt or get injured or anything about his family or any nonsense. Again, people cross over into that stuff. In my mind, I'm having fun. These are rivalries, you know, even the people on Twitter, some people, when they take it too far, I do get a little upset with them, but I think it's all in good fun. And a lot of times it'll come back around and we'll kind of see a middle ground and just kind of, we end up kind of getting along and everything's fine. Um, It's not that deep. It's just fun. And I'm sure players probably don't see it that way. You know, they listen to a podcast and I say this dude's trash and they're like, you know, F this guy. He's a piece of garbage. He doesn't know whatever. And that's fine. It's He can think what he wants about me. I'll think what I want about him. Um, but yeah, I, that's that would be my thought is I, I, I think some people do tend to take these things way too seriously. Uh, we've seen the death threats that some of these players have gotten and everything else. And, um, you know, players that have gone through some pretty serious mental and emotional issues due to some of the comments made by fans. I'm actually surprised by how impacted some of the players are, you know, like some of the players get really upset about the comments from, um, uh, fantasy football. Like that bothers you. I I don't, I, I, I'm not in their position, so I wouldn't know, but it's just very surprising because in my mind, I would just see that and be like, you're a freaking idiot. I I don't care. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, the, the attacks probably are so vicious 
that you end up actually getting really upset about it. But no, that's a cool experience. Um, I haven't really had that experience. I mean, I, I have met a few players, but not on that kind of a personal level where I got to hear them speak. I know uh, I was going to listen to Kurt Warner speak when he was going to a church that my dad was going to when I was really young, Willow Creek down in Illinois, a uh, big mega church or whatever. But for whatever reason, I didn't go. I don't remember what it was. But that would have been like the only time I heard something kind of like that. Um, but anyways, yeah, I get what you're saying, and I appreciate it. And it is, it's one of those reminders that needs to come up every once in a while, like just as a refresher, like just so you know, it ain't that deep. Don't get crazy and do something stupid and say something stupid. Hey, Ryan, it's Seth. Um, calling in about uh, the new swag you got posted for sale. Um, trying swag. to figure oh, out yeah, what yeah. shirt to buy, and uh, just as important as the design to me is the comfort of the shirt. And I'm wondering if you guys got any insights. Uh, do you have any of these shirts yourself? And uh, the 100% polyester jersey looks pretty sweet, but I don't even know what that means for what it would feel like. Um, so yeah. Is that, is that uh, sure comfy? What do you got for insights here? All right. Bye. So, yeah, I do have um, the, so not every single item, obviously. I haven't bought any of the um, jackets or backpacks or whatever. I don't usually even do that anymore. But um, the T-shirts I find to be very comfortable. The, uh, the, the T-shirt itself is called a comfort T-shirt. And I'll say this. I am kind of a psychopath when it comes to comfort. Um, I, I've noticed some of my kids are kind of that way. Um, very sensitive skin, I guess you would say. My grandma always used to buy me clothes and it was like, it was so itchy. Like, dude, why are you doing this to me? It's like staticky. And like, this is the worst. Like I can't move. It's like when you get sunburn and I'll be honest, I don't even like new clothes. I like going to the thrift store and getting old clothes because they're broken a little bit. I don't care that somebody else wore it, dude. It's like, it's, it, it needs to get broken. I've got shirts to this day that I won't wear because they're stiff. By the way, another thing my grandma always used to do was like air dry stuff. It would always make the clothes so stiff. It drove me nuts. Why are you doing that, dude? Dryer, fabric softener, let's go. I'm not wearing cardboard. But yeah, I got like all my Packer shirts are kind of like uh, a more rough material. I can't, I mean, I, I, once in a while, I'm wearing one right now. It's not the worst. Uh, it's kind of, it's starting to get broken. But most of these Packer shirts I buy like or people buy for me is like, I'm not touching that. I just can't. I'll maybe throw it on for a pack of game, throw it off. Some of them I'll even throw in the washer just a bunch of, like, I'll, I'll do laundry. I'll be like, just throw that. Never wore it in my life. It's been washed like 17 times because I'm just trying to break this thing in a little bit. So I'm uh, kind of a psychopath about this stuff. I find it to be perfectly comfortable. The hoodies and the t-shirts. I haven't gotten any feedback specifically about comfort, but uh, let me know if you have any other questions. See if we can't get you one of these t-shirts. Mike from San Antonio. Dude, we're still listening to Cheeseball and ramble on and on and on about nothing. Oh, God, man. You have the patience of a saint. I think we're making, I think we're making headway, Mike. I think, I think we're getting there, dude. Mike from San Antonio hey. again. I really don't care if you play that last voicemail <laughs> or not. Dude, you're wasting time with him. Come on, man. No, I get it. He, he, uh, he did call in with a bunch, another, like, eight banger and then he messaged me he's like why don't you delete those and i'll call back in with a shorter message and he still hasn't called back in but um again i i I put out the request as far as like what i think we could do moving forward to have a more productive conversation and um i'm thinking that that's i think we'll get there that's what i think we'll see what happens hey ryan california hey jennifer and i was on over the cap right now and i was going from team to team and I was just noticing that most teams have on on their cap about 60 to 67 players. That's the, you know kind of the range I've been seeing, and I I just happened to stumble on the Rams, and the Rams have 44 players on their team uh, according to over the cap. That's insane. And if you look, everybody has maybe about 10 players that are. You know, on average, making you know maybe over like seven million. The Rams have five. They have so much dead money tied right. up in all these guys that they went all in on. Like it's going to take them a while. And you look at their team; they got Joseph Noteboon, right? And my 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 brother and my dad are Rams fans, 
so like I kind of know their roster a little bit. Like he is a garbage left tackle. Yeah, he's bad. Like, he was exposed and he you know, he was injured, but he is a horrible left tackle. He's like their fifth ranked player, I think it was, or sixth or something like that, um, based on like sal- salary cap and said seven million. And then you got Tyler Higby is like their fourth with uh, I think it was like nine million. He's like maybe like you know a top twelve tight end, which isn't saying much, you know, after the first like you know five for tight, the tight end position, you know, so like an average tight end. But, you know, they just have uh, Stafford, uh, Cup, and Donald, and they got nothing. Their entire roster is just empty. They got no money. They got like $5 million, and they got to fill this roster with a bunch of practice squad guys and guys off the street. Like. I was talking with my brother, and I was like, yeah, they might, you know, he's like, maybe they can get to, like, six wins. I'm looking, I'm just looking at, like, the money they have and what they could do. They might not get to three. Jesus. Let me know your thoughts. Go back up. Yeah, the Rams are in a tough spot, and it's it's not a mystery why. It's because they did all these ridiculous, horrible things that you don't want to do. Now, again, because they won, because, you know, they had a – what, 7% chance of winning the Super Bowl and ended up pulling it off, we all have to sit down and bow down to them for having some kind of a brilliant strategy, when in reality, they absolutely shouldn't have won. They got lucky winning that Super Bowl um, and are reaping the rewards of terrible decision-making. Even so much the contract, because you can get out of this stuff. You can get out of bad contracts by getting rid of guys. The problem is exactly what you illustrated. What guys? What guys are you going to move forward with? Who are the young guys that are going to take over? So we got $30 million tied up in Cooper Cup. We have $26 million in Aaron Donald. Only twenty million in Matt Stafford. But the dead money would be $111 million if we decided to let him go. And by the way, Aaron Donald would be 60 Cooper Cup would be 65 So we can't move on now. But eventually, we can get away from this, right? That's the point. Eventually, you have to move away from them. Then in dead money, they have $72 million in dead money, which is why they only have $10 million left. But the bigger point here isn't the cost on the cap or even the dead money, because guess what? Next year, you, as long as you don't push money into next year, you won't have dead money. Now, you're going to because, again, eventually you got to get away from Cooper Cup. Eventually you got to get away from Aaron Donald. Eventually you got to get away from Matt Stafford. And, again, you cannot get away from them. In fact, you can't get away this year. You can't get away next year. Um Next year they got to pay him fifty million dollars. If they try to get away, it's going to cost them ninety-one. So they're going to be in hell for a long time with Matt Stafford. Aaron Donald next year is really their only opportunity. Um, it's the last year of his contract. You can keep him for thirty-four million if you want. You might as well because if you get rid of him, it's going to cost you thirty-three million. So you might as well play him. And then the year after that, when he's gone, you're going to have to pay about what twenty-four million dollars for him to be gone. Or is it sixteen? Maybe you don't add him. I, I'm not. No, because it's. Yeah, it's 16. It's 8 plus 8. So you got to pay $16 million for him to not be... So this is dead money that's going to be dragged out for the next two to three years. Cooper Cup, um, you can maybe get rid of him starting in 2025. But again, the larger issue isn't can we clean this up in the next several years, because you can. And you can survive with, like, a bad contract, right? Next year, you're... So this year, you're screwed. Next year, you're screwed. 2025, you're kind of screwed, but it's, it's going to be some dead money screwed mixed with, like, Matt Stafford screwed. But then 2026, you know, we can kind of get this thing cleaned up a little bit. But who are the guys? The problem isn't that you gave up all the draft picks and the money for these great players. Oh, yeah, look, we got these great... It's like that stupid meme people keep posting when they want to prove that you should uh, go out and get these big free agents. Like, don't trade uh, a first-round pick for this player, and then they show the family guy thing where it's like, should I take the $100 of the box? Or we should take the box. It could be anything. It could even be $100. Here's the issue. There's nobody to replace these guys because you gave away all your picks. You have rotted yourself out from the inside. So you have a bad football team and you have no money. And then even when you get the money cleaned up, you don't have any players. You haven't been drafting anyone all this time. So while all these other teams have all these first-round picks, second-round picks, third-round picks that are contributing, that are playing, and are going to be there for the next 10 years, you don't have any of that. And the players that should be on your team are on other people's teams. Who do you have? Even this year, they don't have a first-round pick. So they have compounded their problems to such a degree that they don't have any players. I mean, you give away a first-round pick for a player, that's fantastic. Aside from the part where you just lost 10 years of productivity from a guy. 
You're right. Why why would you waste a pick on, on a guy that could maybe be Matt Stafford when you can go get Matt Stafford? Maybe it's the part where it would be a 24-year-old Matt Stafford as opposed to a 39-year-old Matt Stafford, however old the guy is. The Rams are in absolute shambles. And, and the bigger problem that I see is this is just their philosophy. So I don't see any reason why they would get away from it. If you believe this is the best way to build a team, then start trading those first-round picks for players. But again, you're just rotting yourself out. It is wildly unsustainable. Again, remember that there, there is, you're decaying as you're adding at the same time. But if you shorten the life of the guys that are on your team, then guys leave and fall off a lot faster. In other words, instead of getting a 22-year-old that'll be there until they're 32, you get a 28-year-old that'll be there until they're 32. And they're more expensive. So now the turnover is once every four years instead of once every 10 years. That is unsustainable. And then what they're doing with other contracts, pushing all the money out is how you get yourself in a situation like you have. By the way, it's similar to what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers, which fortunately we're getting out of it. But look at this situation. It's only $20 million. Right, but what if you wanted to get away from them? It would cost you $111.5 million. So you can't get away. Next year is when you're screwed. Because next year it goes up to 50. Well, I'm not paying 50 for him. Well, what choice do you have? You walk away, it costs you $91 million. You guaranteed 130 of his $160 million. Where do you think you're going? You're not going anywhere. So, yeah, they're screwed. And, and the fact that the media was pumping this up as the most brilliant team in, in history and proof that all these teams are stupid for not going all in and trading all this stuff and everything else. And, yeah, they're, they're in a pretty bad situation. So, again... Different strokes for different folks. My thought is draft and develop, patch up where you can with free agency, try to give yourself an opportunity to get a Super Bowl every single year. Because again, I would rather have that 7% chance every year and just see what happens than to see if we can ruin the next three years to get that 7% up to a 13% for one year. The math doesn't check out on that. Anyways, I'm going to leave you folks with that. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 